Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Genesis 15, 1 through 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and am the one who will inherit, and the one who will inherit my state is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. We are starting a new series called Monuments, and I could not be more excited about it in part uh, the reason why I'm excited about this five-week series is because this person right here. This is Sandy Cress. Uh, just going to share a couple things about Sandy. Sandy went to Cal Berkeley, where he studied there. After that, he uh, went to UT Law School, where he was the president of the student uh, body there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big man on campus. BMOC is what they used to call him. <laughs> Did they ever call you that? No. Okay. <laughs> Sandy spent a career in policy uh, formation, especially around education, He was the president of the Dallas Public School Board. Uh, Not a big deal, I'm sure. Uh, And then he went to the White House where he was the senior advisor uh, for uh, for educational purposes there. But for our purposes this morning, uh, Sandy also has a true love of the Torah. Uh, Sandy comes to us uh, from the Jewish tradition, and I got to know uh, Sandy, and this is a confessional, Sandy. I'm going to do this in front of everyone here. About four or five years ago, I was working at a church, and I heard a heard that this Jewish scholar was teaching at a class, and I, and I looked around, I said, hey, from the staff, I said, who's met him, who's heard him, who can vouch for this guy, and no one raised their hand. I go, well, I guess someone needs to go there to see what he's teaching. And so I sat there in the class with a little bit of, you know, my arms crossed, going, all right, so what is the deal with this guy? And very quickly, uh, two things happened. One was, I began to see that my view of Scripture around the Old Testament was really, really, really narrow. I had a lot to learn. And then secondly, what I realized, and I can't can't really explain this, but as soon as you started talking, I knew that we would be friends. I just knew it. And so so Sandy and I, over the last uh, handful of years, we'd get together just to catch up with one another, and very quickly we slip into conversations around Scripture and... uh, and because uh, we have a lot to learn from Sandy. I'm so excited about this series. Sandy is joining me um, this day, but Sandy and I also developed the curriculum that all our small groups are doing. And if nothing else, if, if, if for us, this could just be a moment where as a community, we get to practice uh, the ability to learn from people uh, from different backgrounds, different perspectives, in a world that seems to, to try to, to, to divide and create barriers, if this can just be one little brick out of that wall, so be it. Uh, Amen. Uh, so Sandy, Amen. I love you. Thank you for being here. Would you welcome Sandy, please? Thank you. Thank you. Well, so we decided to create this series called Monuments, and friends, this is years in the making. So uh, we, we decided to create this series 
called Monuments because there's a real problem of forgetfulness. And why is forgetfulness a spiritual problem? Well, we heard it, I think, in our prayers earlier today. Uh, When we're not mindful, uh, when we forget about God, when we forget about God's presence with us, when we forget about our duties and uh, what we bring to life to serve, um, we get, I think we are alone. I think it, it causes us to be alone. And one of the things we hope for in this series through monuments, that is ways in which we can remember, ways in which we can be uh, mindful, ways in which we can recall our relationship to God and God's place in our lives, those will be touchstones. Those will be places, moments that we can return again and again to refresh ourselves, to nourish our souls, and to uh, be stronger and more faithful and more consistent in, our, in living the way God wants us to. So oftentimes in Scripture, when God would do something profound in someone's life, he would ask for a monument to be made. And whether it be the community of people, like when they were crossing over uh, a river that was pulled apart, uh, they would be asked to create a monument. But the reality is, and for each of us in our own spiritual lives, we also have monuments too, right? right. And the problem of forgetfulness is, is more than just forgetting where we put our keys. It's a spiritual problem. Right. And uh, we, we have that problem. So for you, um, part of the issue is that we forget, we forget that we just don't even remember the stories that God has played in our own life, in our own in our own community, and so we have these uh, monuments. I remember in a conversation we talked, uh, there was a conversation around how theologians uh, describe time in two different ways, and I think we have the names over here. There is chronos versus kairos, and chronos, just, just so we know, chronos is like the ticking of time. It's methodical, it's expected, it just happens. It's just a part of life, it's dependable, but, but there's there's keros, which is what some theologians call deep time. It's when things click together, and all of a sudden you find this moment is happening where your heart and your mind and your soul starts to expand, and you start living with deep time. Some Scottish theologians call it the thin places in life, where all of a sudden the kingdom of God seems really close to where we are living here and now. And monuments are about deep time. It's learning to live with deep time, with keros uh, in our hearts, in our minds. Because one of the things that happens when we do that is we start looking for it again and again and again. And in keros, I think, uh, it's, it's the time of the soul, don't you think? Yeah. It's the time where our soul comes out uh, and we cherish it. We look at it. We let the soul uh, come out and be dominant. Uh, the body may be less so. But that time, that's so, I call it soul time, right? Soul time, yeah. So in that deep time, we're honoring, we're revering the soul. That is the, vo- the, the spirit through which God has given us a little bit of the divine in our being, through our soul. That, uh, that is cherished in kairos or in soul time, I yeah. think. Don't you? So we, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when we see how God provides, and a lot of times for me, I'll just say this, that that deep time can happen in really unexpected times, yeah. in really unexpected places. Right. Like God loves to show up in the unforeseen and to show us perhaps that these sacred moments can happen in all of life if we're attentive, if we're looking for it, um, because life is soul-filled. Life is deep time. And we found this in, in the story of Abram. Yeah. 
So a little background about who Abram was, especially at the time of which we had our scripture reading. So Abram uh, is someone for which the story of God picks up after Noah. In the time of Noah, there's the great flood, and then the narrative kind of uh, goes a little bit flat within uh, God and God's people. It more is more of a community experience. But all of a sudden, with Abram, God chooses Abram and starts this unique relationship with Abram, and he has unique promises for Abram, which are what? Well, we're going to get into that today, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, and I think one of the things, and for us, these promises are for, for us. And I think one of the beautiful things about Scripture is that we see ourselves uh, with our emerging sense of faith, our emerging sense, our budding sense of uh, relationship with God in the place of Abram. Uh, one thing I think that's important about this part of the story uh, is uh, God has spoken to Abram and God has called Abram to go forth. Uh, but we never see in all of the Hebrew Bible, or our Bible that is, uh, a story of a dialogue. There's a, uh, Adam and Eve, and there's Cain and God, and we have stories. But now for the first time in the Bible, and this is why we are so excited about having this discussion with you today, this is the first time in which God and a human being have a back and forth discussion about life, about expectations, about the soul. And so this is a very, very important moment in Scripture, and I think that we should be as fresh to it uh, as Abram was on that night. Mm -hmm. So if this is how God initiated this dialogue with Abram, we should pay close attention because perhaps uh, we might be drawn into the same story. Well, and I want to ask you, uh, because in our conversations it's been uh, very uh, important and instructional for me, Mark, to get your understanding of what is on Abram's mind uh, as this dialogue begins. God says something uh, that I think is very, opens the way for Abram to open up himself uh, to God. What, does, what is on Abram's mind and how does that play out? Yeah. So it first starts off with promises. So God initiates this relationship like God initiates all relationships. It's not something we've earned, something we strive for. It's, in, it's initiated by the love of God. And so God also initiates this with promises, specifically two different promises. We find the first one in Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3. Uh, God says to Abram, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who you bless, who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. That is a huge, outstanding promise from God. Just like we have some incredible promises that we have a hard time believing. But God comes to Abram and says, I'm going to make you into a great nation that will be a blessing to the whole world. So if Abram believed this at all, you could imagine his imagination of how God might use his life start to expand. And maybe even just the human aspect of like, I'm going to be that great just the temptation for pride even. And then God comes to Abram again later on at Genesis 13 and says this in four, verses 14 through 16. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are, from the north and the south, the east and the west. All of the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust then this is, what, this is how your offspring could be counted. Again, a huge, vastless promise made by God. 
And the weird thing that happens is God gives this promise well before it comes to fruition. And it's almost a cruel thing of God to do this. Why would God give us promises and then have us wait? Well, is it on God's time or ours? I would ask you. Uh, The promise is there, but isn't it so that sometimes we wait? Sometimes we're asked to be patient. Sometimes we're, uh, we're, we learn the lesson that the fulfillment of the promise happens at a time that is true and sure for God. And it takes a long time here, uh, so much time that Abram begins to show some impatience yeah. uh, and is a, a little bit uncertain. But I think it's, that's where we begin our discussion yeah. today, really. Yeah. Uh, and I want, Mark, so what is his impatience? How does it manifest itself? And how does God make it possible for Abram to talk back, yeah. to talk yeah. up in the yeah. midst of the great God? Yeah. So I think that the human condition is we will fill any void we can. And so if God creates a void of space or time for us between a promise and the fruition of it, then we're just going to fill it with us claiming it, with us filling it with frustration, with us filling it with anger. And so I think that's to some degree where Abram was. At this point, Abram is really, really, really old, and he doesn't have any children. And the pain of infertility is something that is timeless. Uh, We experience that today. Uh, In Abram's day, I think it was even more painful because God had given him promises. So God creates this, com- this space this, for this conversation in verse 2 of our scripture passage for this day. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 1. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your great reward. And I wonder if Abram was tired of waiting, if he had a sense of frustration. I wonder how he would respond to that idea of God saying, don't worry, don't have fear. I am your shield and your great reward. I kind of imagine this in two different ways. Either one, Abram goes, ah, that's really what I needed to hear today. Thank you, God. And, or the second option is like, really? <laughs> I'm, I, I hear you make these promises, but come on. Here's a, a radical idea for you. Is it possible that God saying this allows Abram to be vulnerable, allows him to confess to God and to show his impatience? You know, sometimes we don't do that. We think God only wants to hear our praise. God only wants to hear good things from us. Is it possible that by God saying this, that I protect you and I will be your source of reward, now talk to me. Yeah. Confess. You can say. You can show your vulnerability. What do yeah. you think? Absolutely. So being a shield and reward, I think, creates that safe place. A shield is a, a place of perfect, uh, protection, and, and a reward says, what if I am your reward that you're seeking? What if you're putting your heart and your desire elsewhere? What if I could be that reward for you? And so almost like uh, God creates this refuge, this space, and it's so interesting, Sandy, what comes out. Remember, this is the first time Abram has talked to God. At this point, everything was coming to Abram from God. This is what I'm going to do in your life. This is how I'm going to use your life. And we never find in Scripture before this point any conversation from Abram to God. And notice what it says in verse 2. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. The first words that Abram shares is that of honest, soul-filled questioning. What's to that? 
Well, I think there are several dimensions to it. One is, as we've discussed, a sense of impatience, maybe even a sense of hopelessness. Uh, God's open to hearing it, though. I mean, because I think Abram's honest and Abram's laying it out. I don't see how your promises to me will be fulfilled. So in a sense, I think we're a little critical of it. Uh, The faithful certainly should exhibit more faithfulness, right? But don't we, even in our faithfulness, have doubts? Don't we raise questions? So I think we can identify with Abram's uncertainty. And I think... Can I I just say one thing? Because I think that we do have doubts, we do have questions. I don't know if all of us take those to God. Yeah. You know, I think that we, we wrestle with it on our own or we maybe uh, take it to other people. But I don't know if we feel the permission to give God some really honest, hard questions. Isn't this a wonderful proof text for that, though? For when, I mean, think about it, that God is open even to hearing our doubts. That God opens the way for us to express the doubts and to work with us to deal with the doubts. I think that's a wonderful thing. I mean, because yeah. I, I, I don't think, I don't know, for me, maybe for you too, I don't know. Uh, I'm a faithful person, but I, I, I just wonder, I don't want to ask for hands, but don't we all in our faithfulness have, have doubt? Yeah. The idea that the text is, in, that God is inviting us even to bring the doubt along with the faithfulness. Yeah, I actually think it goes deeper than that. Yeah. Because this, this is a breakthrough moment that's about to happen in Abram's life. Yeah. And it's a breakthrough moment for God's relationship with humanity. And it only comes from vulnerability. Right. And, it, so, it, yeah. and so at this moment of vulnerability, God, and you may want to show the, the verse. Yeah, let's but, go to it. Uh, God invites Abram uh, to, uh, well, he tells him, no, you will, have a, 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 you will have a son, and it will be your flesh and blood. And then he invites him to come outside. Right. Yeah. So it, my, it, my thought is on that, that previous verse, verse uh, uh, for um, that this is the same promise that God has given Abram a handful of times. And I think by the mercy and the grace that God has for Abram, he said, words are not going to be enough right now. Like, Abram needs it for this to sink in a little bit deeper. Abram needs some kairos. He needs some, a, deep, yeah. a deep, sacred experience to happen for him to really, really to hold on to. And just like for us, what comes before this is the vulnerable questions. I think some of us need to be honest of what are the real questions that I have for God that I don't feel permission to ask? What are the, what are the real honest struggles that I have with God that I've never uttered to God, I've uttered about God, but I've never actually taken it to God? Because perhaps there's a breakthrough moment waiting for you when you actually have enough courage to take that to God. Absolutely. This happens here. And it happens here. It's vital. God restates the promise. But then he says, and I want to ask you about this, Mark. And then he says in the next verse, I want to take you outside and show you something. What does it mean to be taken outside for for Abram and for us? Yeah, so it breaks the monotony. It breaks uh, a lot of great stories happen when people are leaving home. Imagine Frodo eating his second breakfast, and, he's, and he has to leave. He has to leave his home. And I think for God to make memories with us, sometimes he wants, he wants us to be led outside. And this will be a marker, a memory for Abram's life the rest of, the rest of his existence. We talked, I, there was a notion of outside even in our songs earlier today. Mm-hmm. And I want you to think of outside too as 
getting outside of your current environment, getting outside of the little narrow mindset. This is way bigger. Let's come outside and let's see something grand and big outside yourself, outside of the narrow frame you were in before. This is way deeper, way bigger, way broader than all of that. So these stars will be a monument for Abram. Because uh, here God says, if you can count all of the stars, which you can't do, it's not like we're looking outside here in Austin, Texas, where you look up and go, it might be a satellite. I don't know <laughs> if that's a star or not. There, I mean, it's you can, the numberless vastness of the stars, that this will be your offspring. Can you share a little bit about that word, offspring? Well, I want to talk about offspring. I also want us to think a little bit about just the concept of seeing the stars. Mm. But let's talk about the idea of offspring. Uh, one way we can look at offspring here, clearly, is our children. Uh, that's what's on Abram's mind. Who will inherit the legacy? Who will carry this on into the future? And he obviously has it in his mind. He doesn't have a natural offspring, and he's worried about that. But we want to invite you to think about offspring in a deeper way, in a broader way. What about offspring being uh, our creation? Uh, those things that we do, those things that we make, the good deeds we do, the love we show in the world, uh, those things that we give to others, um, the ideas that we're sharing with each other today, the love in this room, the love you expressed in the hymns and the songs, uh, the learning we're doing. If we walk out of here with a different insight uh, that helps us be closer to God, we've created an offspring, right? So the idea that you will have offspring not just through uh, uh, Isaac, and Jacob, and on and on, but through all of the things that you will do in my name. And I think that idea of offspring, Mark, you have, do you have, you have thoughts about well, that you, as well? You've shared in the past that word offspring in the Hebrew language can also mean seed. Right. And so that's actually for me a really a powerful thing because what, what are seeds? Seeds are small, kind of small, almost looking like insignificant little things that hold incredible potential if it is handled appropriately. If that was handled appropriately, that seed can turn into something incredible that could bless many things, bless many people. And so it is with the, the seeds that, God's, that God puts inside of us. And that for me, like, like you said, you use the word legacy. The dreams that God has put inside me, of the longing that I have perhaps for a call that God has made in my life, aren't those seeds small that we might say insignificant things, but if we handle it appropriately, could be a place of faith for us to believe that God could use us in that kind of way? Look at what's going on in this dialogue between God and this human being like us who has a budding faith, doesn't really know. We start in a very limited place. We're worried about whether we're going to have physical offspring. And, and we, don't we worry about things? We can express them to each other, express them to God. But God says, I have something bigger. I have something bigger for you. Let's go outside and look. I want to talk about all your offspring. Seeds growing into good deeds and into love and into uh, all sorts of ideas about how best to live in addition to all the people who will make it happen. I want to ask you about this and turn the discussion a little bit, Mark, to the idea of just the feeling, because it is the monument here, the feeling of going out and imagine that we're in the country, not in a big city, 
and that, and I guess you all have seen it, we don't see it much anymore, that you just go out and you're shown by God this just panoply, this beautiful image of all the stars in the heaven. And, and, and we're told, Abram's told, this will be uh, as numberless or as countable or probably numberless as it can possibly be as to your offspring. What is the effect of that? Before we think about whether we've had an experience like that, yeah. what is the effect of that, Mark, to have that kind of monumental experience with God? I think it'd be incredibly humbling. When you, when you look at the stars, for me, it, it does create a deep place for me, but also makes me think of how short life is, how small this little rock is that we call earth flying through the sky, yet how God can use our lives for eternal purposes. It's a, a Incredibly humbling thing. Isn't it both humbling and grand? Oh, yeah, sure. I think that's yeah. the idea I want to... I mean, I think, I think Mark's exactly right. It is humbling. You see the pictures that come back to space of how small the earth is and how small we are. And we rightly think, we rightly, I think, are to think about uh, humility and our humility. But on the other hand, I think God is saying, I have something grand for you. I mean, to think that you, we... All of you have, will have offspring, Abram will have offspring, and that's you, right? People of faith. And you will have offspring in people and good deeds and love, and it will be what we do, yeah. as numberless as the stars, which makes our contribution, while we're humble, it makes our contribution great, doesn't it? Yeah. So if God were to lead you outside and have you lay on your back, maybe on top of your car as you drove off into the country and you were to look up at the stars and God were to say to you, see all the, the, the stars in the sky, these, this, these are the ways in which I'm gonna use you in your life. If you were to see all the stars, these are all the different ways in which I'm going to use your life to create spiritual legacies to last for all of eternity. I think many of us would go, who are you talking to, me? Maybe I can do a couple of these. But I think we would have a hard time believing that God could really use me. We forget that Abram was like 90 years old at this point. You think Abram's going, yeah, I'll probably have that many children. No, like he's probably thinking this story of, for this promise is over with. But I think we have a hard time believing, and we even skew this idea of humility to distrust the promises of God. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm no one. There's no way God could use me. When in actually, that's not humility. That's, that's a lack of faith. That's a lack of, of, of having courage in, in believing God. And I guess I would pose this. I thought the songs that you sang at the beginning of the service were so lovely. Don't those songs invite you to think about the possibilities, about the potential, about God's promise, about being faithful to the promise, even with the doubts? I think that's what those songs invite. I think that's what the story invites. And I think the story also invites... Uh, I know as we get closer to the end of our discussion today, I think the, the story also invites us to think about the promise and the reality of having this communication with God, of having a vision. I don't think this story is just about Abram's vision. I think this story is to tell us, because it's that first communication, that all of Abram's offspring are also capable of having a vision, a true vision, a vision from God. 
And I guess I would pose to you, one has to be very careful about this because some people, I guess, think they do and it really may not be. But have you ever had such an experience yourself in which there's a sense of God coming and talking about boundless possibilities and boundless offspring? Have you had that experience? Yeah, I'm not going to share it. (laughs) No. Yeah, like for me, it's just believing in the faithfulness of God. That's another way you could talk about this monument is this monument is God saying, I'm going to share something with you that's hard to believe, and I want to to create this space so that it, it, it goes deeper in your mind and your soul because I want you to know how faithful I'm going to be. So this monument's not about how grand Abram's life, it's how dependable God is. Well, and there's a standard in it, isn't there, in the next verse? Yeah. There's a standard that says, uh, and I don't know whether we have it it for people to see. Yeah, in verse 6, yeah. So Abram believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. Yeah. So So what does this word righteousness mean? Well, I think it's um, I think it's the standard. Righteousness was in our song again. It's just so wonderful how the music, you know, goes with the scripture. But we saw righteousness in the in the song. Righteousness, I think, the word in Hebrew is tzedakah or tzedek, hmm. uh, and it means rightness. It's right. It's the right thing. It's the right way to be. It's when we and we know by faith and we know by ethics, we know what's the right way to be. And I think one could sort of say that the way we te- can tell a true vision from one that's not is, is it grounded in righteousness? Is it grounded in rightness? Is this something that God's showing me or teaching me that leads me to the right? What do you, what do you think? Yeah, so if your vision is something that excels you, moves you above other people, that's not righteousness. Right. <laughs> that might be self-righteousness. That might, that, might, that might seem right to me. Uh, but righteousness is living in, in, this, in the vision that God has to bless other people, to be a blessing to this world. Yeah. And, is, so is, the, and is the vision one that, that leads you to the idea of offspring hmm. that you can create, that you can bring about, that can lead the way for the future for others uh, in the world where they are products of righteousness, where they represent righteousness? So, uh, any closing thoughts you'd like to share? I like it. I like where we are. Would you thank Sandy for me? Thank you. So, as we consider this week this, what the stars meant to Abram on that day, I think it's important for us to just, to just play out the rest of the story that Abram had. Imagine him walking out of his home and looking up at the stars Days after this, remembering the promises from God. Think about what the stars would have meant to Abram when he was sitting by a campfire and holding his son Isaac and being promised by God and looking at the promises of God through his son. And this is the monument of God's faithfulness, God's surprising faithfulness to us in our life. And the way this monument is meant to be is we are not just hearers of this story, but we are active participants Just like Sandy said, as Abram was led outside by God and looked up at the stars, I know Abram thought about his family, his legacy, but I think when when God looked up at the stars, one of the things he thought of was you. That you are one of those stars. You were wrapped up into that dream, that vision, that plan that God had from all of eternity. 
that God would come to people like Abram and people like you and say, I can be your shield. I can be your great reward. I'm going to give you promises that we're going to require faith and trust. So bring to me your honest questions. Bring to me your true self, and I will be faithful. So this week, as we walk forward in this week, that is the call for us, is to remember the monuments of God's faithfulness in your own life. When did God show up when you, th- when you thought the story was over with and God was faithful? And then secondly, this monument is also to remind us that perhaps today God wants to lead you outside for you to look up and say, this is how I plan on using you. This is my plan on how I can use your life to be a blessing to many. Do you believe me? Perhaps you've never had that experience and perhaps today will be your monument. So what we're going to do, we're going to do something a little bit unique today. We're going to, uh, the band is going to come up here. They actually wrote a song for this series. They're going to play it. This is just a time for us to sit and to think about our own stories in our own life. For us to think about that. We're about to take communion, which is our monument that we practice every single week, reminding us of God's faithfulness. And as we take communion, we're also going to uh, have an opportunity to take one of these rocks with us. If you could take one of these rocks home, this rock will be for you. Our hope is that this rock would be a companion for you during these next five weeks. That you guys would put it somewhere where it would be visible, that you would see it, and that you'd remember the monument that God wants to make in your life. Perhaps you need to sit with this monument this week, hold it in your hand, and ask the questions of God that you've never had the willingness to ask before. Perhaps you need to see this monument today and go, oh yeah, I forgot. When I thought it was over with, God showed up. I'm not going to forget it this week. So as you come forward for communion, we encourage you all to take one of these rocks home. Your face.